this week on The Startup Life. Primary element to that is that if you clear off all of those potential distractions and you create a environment where nobody has to expect that maybe someone's going to come and tap on your shoulder. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Dennis Plusinic, founder of Attack. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We got a big time guest in the building today. We got Dennis Placenic in the building. What's going on, Big D? Hey, what's going on, Dominic? All right, all right. You ready to pour some knowledge in Startup Nation today? I am excited. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So first things first, man, tell us about your story on your path to entrepreneurship. So I want to say it's probably just a lifelong story. It seems pretty cliche, but I started young. Um, uh-huh. I started doing just door to door sales. I think there was some program at my school uh, where they make you go out and give a catalog to your people <laughs> in your neighborhood. So I started off doing that. I got a lot of support from my parents and that was a really early memory I had where I think at one point I was uh, standing in the hallway with my father and he introduced me to one of his friends as his little entrepreneur and that was like the thing that sparked whatever the bug is in my mind I said that's who I like that's who I identify with and so from there it was just kind of I I think that probably blossomed into an interest for doing things that are maybe a little creative or non-standard I never was the job type of person so I always tried to go out and do something else I definitely had jobs from you know the time I was 12 years old but I was I was doing things like you know, I had a paper route in addition to working on a farm, and then that blossomed into an eBay business when eBay was invented. Uh, so when I was, I was probably 1996 or so, I was selling handmade items on eBay all over the world. Nice. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, I was also surrounded by some people in the late 90s, a good close friend of mine who sold a company to ZDNet for a few million dollars, and I think he was 18 years old, and I, I looked at him and said, wow, if he, if he can do that, and it's, it's, we've only been alive for this long. I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to, you know, create something interesting and, and do do that instead of pursue some hourly job. So gotcha. you know, that got me into uh, web design and freelance design. And, and I had always been an artist from the beginning. So, you know, when before Photoshop was invented, I was doing hand illustration and drawing and Photoshop came around and that kind of led into web design. Gotcha. So that was the, uh, it was the early part of where I started. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So I want to ask you about that, man. You know, so you said, you know, you kind of got into, you know, doodling and making, you know, hand illustrations and stuff like that. Where did that start, man? Was that back in high school at C.W. Baker or where did that start? That was probably middle school or earlier than okay. that. I think maybe even elementary school. I had always been like a comic book fan. And so I had all these old comic books like Punisher and Deadpool and Wolverine. And I would draw those. I was okay. actually on a baseball team and I would sit on the bench and I would draw the covers of the uh, comic books. And I still have some of those drawings. I'm planning on framing those at some point. They're pretty 
special to me, but I would sit there and draw those. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and then I would, I would see other people come around me and say, oh my God, like that's, a, that's an incredible drawing. And that kind of gave me that initial punch, that, that motivation. Gotcha, gotcha. Are you ready for uh, to see uh, Endgame, see how it all ends, man? I don't know. I don't know about that. I think the, um, you know, there's, there's a line in Mad Men that really resonated with me where Don Draper okay. says, I, I just want to do good work. Uh -huh. and, I, and I think that's it. Like, that's the thing that I want to do. I don't know that there's an end to that. I don't think mm -hmm. I'm ever going to stop doing it. Um, you know, what I have now uh, with Attack is sort of a combination of all of my experiences. And it allows me to do really interesting and challenging things that are enjoyable every single day. So I, I don't want that to end, honestly. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm maybe I'll take a little longer days or a little, little time to meditate and, and exercise and, and write and get out and travel a little bit. But uh, I always want to continue doing this as far as I can tell now. This is, yeah. this is it. Uh, I'm sorry, Dennis. I, I, I didn't frame the question correctly. You, since you were talking about, you know, you, you got into comic books and stuff like that. I know Endgame, the movie is coming out. Uh, with the oh, oh, oh. like that, yeah. So I was, I was actually curious <laughs> if you're ready to see that. I'm so, my apologies. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, you know what? Honestly, I wish I had more time to go out and uh, gotcha. and watch movies. Now I, I love movies, but I'm just you know nonstop with uh, with the work that I'm doing. For sure, for sure. I just try to lighten the mood a little bit. That's all. <laughs> no, worries. no worries. So let me ask you this, man. What did you learn from the worst boss you ever had? You know, I know you said you know you had a few jobs, but not really. Not really, you know, on that whole tip or whatever, but what did you learn from your worst boss or teacher or even mentor you've ever had? You know, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to remember the, the bad parts. I, I don't know gotcha. that I have a worse boss. Uh, I've had some pretty incompetent people around me <laughs> who, gotcha. who just make decisions that are still to this day are not clear to me. And, and for those people, they haven't shown any you know, aptitude or like ability that inspires me to make me want to be more like them. So the people gotcha. that really stand out to me are the, are the great bosses that I've had who've done things where I notice and I go, well, that was a really, like, that was a really motivational thing that they did. Or that was, that was something I want to do, you know, it inspires me to be a better person. So those types of people who are patient with their team and, you know, a CEO who can sit in the room with 20 people and listen to every single person speak and give everyone the time to speak and, and make sure that everyone's voice is heard. Like that's a very impactful uh, thing to do. And so I've always aspired to take those positive elements of people around me and, and bring them into my, uh, my own personality. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, with the, on that same vein, and it's a little different, but who or what inspires you as an entrepreneur? Because, you know, I know you're talking about like, you know, people who, you know, let everybody kind of have a chance at the table, speak at the table type of mindset. But who's that entrepreneur that like, like, you know what? I love how they did it. I love how they really took something out of nothing or built something and made just something even, even better. So who, what inspires you as an entrepreneur, man? I don't know if, if the end result of the, the thing that's being invented is the thing that inspires me. So, but okay. you, you see people create really incredible things, but you don't really know how they got there. For sure. Maybe they did it on the backs of, a lot of people, and that's not really the type of entrepreneur I want to be. So the people that inspire me, entrepreneurial or otherwise, are people who are patient, people who show passion and independent thought for a specific topic, uh, people who are driven, uh, and also people who listen. So those are the, those are the traits that I want to surround myself with. And, and I have those in my team. Um, and so my team indirectly inspires me. I, I'd like to be able to say that everyone in our team has something that 
is far better than what I can produce. And so I always look to be inspired by those people. And, and that's the type of entrepreneur that I want to be is to basically earn respect from people who I respect. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So, you know, I, I want to kind of dive into your story just a little bit. So I know March 13th, 2013 is a very important day for you, man. Tell Startup Nation about that day. Yeah, that's uh, that's three thirteen thirteen. So mm-hmm. um, that's the day uh, where I was laying in my hospital bed and my surgeon, Dr. Joel Scheinfeld, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center came in and gave me an all clear after I had gone through a surgery. It's called an RPLND surgery. It's an incredibly invasive surgery. And prior to that, 12 weeks of chemotherapy for testicular cancer. So that's the date basically where I was cleared of any uh, remnants of cancer. And that was six years ago and I've been clear since. So yeah, that's, gotcha. a, real, that's a real special day. I'm surprised, uh, surprised no. to be on that one. For sure. For sure. No, no, thank you for sharing that, man. I I think that's important. The reason I wanted to ask that question, man, because, you know, I think it's part of your entrepreneurial journey. Right. And so and the reason I love people who who go through cancer and beat is because, you know, you you look cancer square in the face and like, you know what, let's go. Right. And, And I think that's one of those very true, awe inspiring stories that not just entrepreneurs, but anybody can really be inspired from, man. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. But I'm thinking about the timeline, right? You know, you became cancer free on that day. 17 months later, you start attack, right? And so not only did you, you know, you think about starting the firm, but you called it attack, which I think is interesting in itself, right? So share right. that 17 month timeline for Startup Nation. Tell us about your mindset, your process, some of the challenges you were going through in that time. Sure. So, you know, I'll say that, that looking at something like cancer is, uh, is really interesting. You really find out uh, who you are in a lot Absolutely. of ways uh, by having to consider your own mortality. And, you know, and also you're not doing it on your own timeline. I did, it, there, there are a lot of things that people do that I would consider much more brave than what I did. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose to do this channel. I didn't choose to go after it and beat it on my Fair own will. It's just something that happens and the outcome was you know, it had a bit to do with some work that I did and researching the care that I received. But ultimately, it's just something that, that happened to me and, and gave me some insight into how I react to the world around me. And so, you know, as a result of that, as, as a result of having seen how fleeting life can be and then having my family around me made mm-hmm. me think, you really don't have time for excuses. There's not like, you know, I, I used to I don't know, for a while I used to come, I had a job at the Fortune 500 company. It was very comfortable and I used to come home and watch TV and the stuff. And I, you know, I got into this rut and I started to feel like, what is it that's like, I'm losing my drive. I'm losing the thing that, that I had that pushed me forward previously. And then I had found it again and then I got sick and then coming out of that again, I had another reason to move forward uh, with no excuses. And, you know, and that was six years ago. I, I immediately started getting uh, healthy. I started taking my, my own health and and diet and exercise uh, routine very seriously. I've since run two marathons. I'm running marathon again this year. Nice. Um, and, and ultimately the result of that experience was that I wanted to create something, uh, a legacy or some kind of an, an entity that would outlive myself, uh, mm-hmm. that would carry my, uh, my family forward. I, I couldn't just leave my family hanging. So, you know, so I took everything that I had done and I, I put it in this company. There were a few things that happened between you know, the 13th and August of the year that I started the company. 
you know, some of those being like getting back into work. I had a couple of contracts that I had lined up. I took a few months break uh, to go through treatment, but I, I went right back into work and started doing some contract work. And at the same time, really starting to, in my mind and sort of technically lay the foundation for this company. So I did bootstrap the company, knowing that that was the inevitability uh, all along while I was doing work for other agencies. That was kind of, you know, that was my bread and butter before uh, I had taken a little break. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that, man. That's a, you know, I, like I said, I, you know, I, I hope you didn't mind me asking that, but I just thought it was very no, no, no. a story. And I thought you could really, you know, share some value for Startup Nation. So I appreciate that transparency for sure. Yeah, not, not at all. And I, I often, uh, I mean, I don't wear it on my sleeve. And in fact, sometimes uh, sure. like I just, I just passed the anniversary a few days ago and someone right. said to me, they right. said, Hey, the 13th passed. And I said, Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they said, they said, did you do anything to celebrate? And I said, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that it happened. Like I moved on and I'm able to live my life. I'm I hear that. Weighed down by that. I hear so, that. To me, that's a celebration. I, I think sure. that's, that's progress. No, for sure. Thank you. I, I, I didn't, you know, obviously for those of us who hasn't gone through something like that, that makes complete sense. So I appreciate you sharing that for sure. So, you know, let me ask you this, man, because you wrote a piece, how to build a world-class team. And there's a part in there that you say uh, entrepreneurs should be catering to your employees in a way that effectively removes distractions and allows them to simply focus. Dennis, what are some of those distractions you're referring to, man? All right. So everybody who works in any office, especially in advertising, uh, is going to know top things, unnecessary meetings, Mm. inflexible work hours, someone tapping on your shoulder constantly. You know, for us, I take it even further than that. I look at things like lack of health benefits. I've been, and I take this from an experience I had at a company that didn't cover 401k or have healthcare. And I thought, this company's got 40 people. How can they, like, when are they going to decide, you know? And then we've got people sitting around the water cooler going, I can't believe this company doesn't have 401k. That's ridiculous. So you have your own people who are talking negatively about your company at your own office. I I couldn't have that. So that's a distraction to me, you know, leaving to order your own lunch. That's maybe something that that I think triggers people a little bit. As a consultant, I was always aware of my own time and how I spent it and whether I was efficient or not, because you're billing by the hour. So if I have to leave to go do something, right. Go to, go to lunch or, or whatever. I, I'm not billing for that hour. So for me to have to, to leave seems like a waste of time and money on both sides. And so I looked at it for our company and thought I could do two things at once. I could kill two birds with one stone. Right. I can val- value everyone's time by just giving them this, like, could just go get the lunch. It's like 10 bucks. I'll get, I'll get the lunch. I'll bring it to you. We'll just order it from Seamless or whatever. Just order the lunch, bring it to me. Like you can order whatever you want. And then if you want to go take a break and do it, you can. But the mind space is not bothered by having to go and do that every day. It's kind of curated for you. And so the other primary element to that is that if you clear off all of those potential distractions and you create a environment where nobody has to expect that maybe someone's going to come and tap on your shoulder or that like, you know, I come in at 10, I got a 10 o'clock meeting. That means I got a couple hours before I then have to leave for lunch. Maybe there's another distraction between there. Never really have long periods of time where I can dedicate my focus to my work. And, you know, we call it flow state. And mm. I did a poll on, on Twitter a while ago to find out how often people reach this. And surprisingly, it's maybe once a, a week or a month. And, okay. and it's because of those. It's because of those distractions. that You can't reach those states. And when you're in a creative or technical role, like, when we do design development strategy, these things require really long periods of dedicated time to, to think and process in your own mind. And if 
you know, I've been in situations where just a producer will run across the office and shake my shoulder and then I got to start all over again. And it takes maybe an hour to get into that state. And then you came over and ruined it. And I could take another hour to get back into it. So basically just ruined two hours of time. So that's, that's the underlying reason for, you know, why we protect time and then eliminate those distractions. Hey, Sergeant Nation, I wanted to chime in really quick with a reflection point because Dennis brings up an interesting thing when he talks about how he takes care of his employees at attack. Look, for you and your company, you may not want to buy lunch uh, for your company or for your teammates or something like that. And that's fine. That's, that, that's totally fine. But I think the bigger thing, the bigger picture that Dennis brings to us, Startup Nation, is how you can not only be more efficient in your company, because he says that buying lunch, you know, uh, allows for efficiency in the sense of, you know, you don't have to wait in line to get your lunch and stuff like that. But also Startup Nation, it brings to the point of taking care of your people. I can't tell you how many times we try to stress this point on the startup life. Taking care of your people is so important because if you take care of your people, they take care of your customer and everybody wins. So look, Startup Nation, as you go forth on your path to entrepreneurship, you know, like I said, it doesn't have to be in the form of buying your team members lunch. But think about those small ways that you can make your team members work life just a little bit better. Let's get back to it. Gotcha. And thank you for sharing that. And I imagine that your team appreciates that so much, you know, especially that lunch thing. I imagine your inbox is probably going to start filling up fairly soon with people trying to work yeah. at the back now. Uh, <laughs> get free, yeah. free seamless. Yeah. Grammarcy is pretty good. (laughs) Gotcha. Gotcha. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that, man. So look, man, I was looking on your Facebook timeline a little bit because anytime I I have somebody come on the show, I do a little bit of social media stalking. So I hope that was okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's all public. Right. For sure. So I saw one of your FB posts and I believe you're on the subway or something like that. You came across a picture that had a caption. It said, how much did you make for your boss today. And your commentary was, uh, quote, I used to think this way until I started my own business and realized paying everyone else very much comes first, end quote. What did you mean by that, man? Tell, explain that a little bit for us. So I think that there's uh, there's this uh, false impression that the people, and I, and I had this for the longest time, mm-hmm. and um, it, I think it's the, the entrepreneurial myth. There's even a book written about this called The E-Myth. It, it's that the people doing the actual work, and I'm doing air quotes here, the people do the actual work <laughs> are the ones who are producing all of the value and everyone above them, are they're just kind of puppeteering the, the workers around. Um, and they don't really earn their value. I think that's a false impression. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and literally when you start a company, you have to run payroll first. You have to actually pay everyone else first. So right. in many times what that means is as a result of ca- cash flow fluctuations and you know, seasonal fluctuations in demand and all of these forecasts and things like all of these things that you don't think of as a, as a technician, like as a designer developer, you don't think about how you have to manage uh, some downtime in advance by, you know, coordinating your, your team in a certain way. Like all of those things really take a lot of time and they're very nuanced. And they're things that I dove headfirst into and I'm learning constantly and surrounding myself with people who can help advise me on those issues. But what I've learned is that there is a tremendous amount of value that not only the people who are experts in their individual practices contribute, but the people who manage them as well. Our producer is, I mean, I would go to war for this guy. He's an incredible uh, asset to the company. And, and I think everybody else also appreciates him because there has been times where we haven't had 
him or even other producers as we've grown and gone through various people where uh, our team recognizes that need. So, you know, I don't think our team shares that feeling necessarily, like how much did you make for your boss today? Right. Uh, I think that they all recognize that what we're doing is contributing individually into this, this brand that we identify with so that we can uh, use it to sustain our lifestyle. So we're able to take our salary and our benefits from the result of our collective contribution to the brand and everybody appreciates what everybody else individually does, including myself. We don't have a lot of managers, it's myself and two producers. We're also very transparent. So what we're doing is, is very clear to everybody else. Weekly, we meet and talk about what's on everyone's plate and how can we do better, and, you know, what happened at each different level. So the value that's contributed by every person, I think, is very, is very front and center. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And you make sure those people know that their value is very much appreciated. And I think, like you said, I think a lot of people who, you know, you know, the Instagrampreneurs, people like that, I think sometimes they forget that part. Like, you know, having employees or having team members, if you will, is a massive responsibility. And it's, it's much bigger than just having two or three people under you uh, to quote office space there. Let me ask you this, man. You know, who are your mentors? So my default is always to go back to my parents. They're the ones who originally instilled the the values of hard work and dedication. But they, my dad comes from a large family who worked originally on a farm that were doing really difficult work. And so, you know, I, I myself worked on a farm when I was younger, maybe 12 years older, Mm -hmm. however, however old you have to be before you can start working on a farm in, uh, in New York. But I, I really identified with that persistent, hardworking operative. This is what drives me. And, and I think that I internally take some pride in the fact that I'm not slacking off because there's no, no one else to call you out on it. If you're watching TV, you know, you're not working, you know, you could, right. you know, so you have to own it, but he's, he's instilled that sense of hard work. And, and, you know, my mother's instilled a sense of dedication and creativity and all of those things come together to define really who I am. I also surround myself with people who are experts in, in this field. Like they can't necessarily advise me on how to, operate an agency or how to hire people in New York or how to create a remote culture. Like those, those things are really nuanced. So uh, I lean on people who have more experience than me. And um, I'm fortunate enough to have people who are generous with their time who can, you know, spend that time to have conversations or even meet and have dinner or coffee or whatever, and talk about whatever problems I might be having. So I've been able to get a pretty good amount of feedback from people as needed. I mean, there are always things that I'm dealing with that are at the edge of my ability. And I have some people who are, I'm able to lean on, you know, maybe a group of small advisors, I guess, if you want to call that. But Gotcha. 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 Thank you for sharing that. And, and also, in addition to mentors, man, I think entrepreneurs consider themselves lifelong learners. They're always engaged in reading books, listening to podcasts, you know, just some type of professional development or sharpening the saw, as we like to say. What does professional development mean to you, man? And what are you learning now? Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. I also identify with that probably to a fault. You know, personally, I'm interested in understanding more about my diet, my personal mental and physical health. Okay. Uh, I started wearing an aura ring to track my, track my sleep and sleep quality and, you know, deep sleep cycles and, and try to augment my behavior to figure out if I drink coffee after 10 a.m. Is that going to affect the amount of deep sleep? I get, things like that. I, I'm interested in that. Gotcha. Um, I'm also studying some other, some other diets like paleo diets and understanding what my own intolerances are. And so I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a deep dive there. But in, in general, I have a tendency, which I would say is probably annoying sometimes, where if I'm introduced to somebody who clearly has some expertise, I will just go after them. I want to know everything about what they know. I want to absorb all of their knowledge. 
And, uh, and I kind of feel relentless sometimes because I'm interested in understanding the nuances of different industries and different specialties. You know, I, I don't like to go and meet with other people often and talk about advertising and, and web design. I'd like to talk to someone about, uh, I don't know, you know, gardening or, or, or architecture or something. There's so many yeah. interesting people in New York who, who you meet who have those types of experiences. So I, I go after them. I also like, I Google everything. I watch YouTube at 2x speed. I just want to I just want to download as much information as I can, which is gotcha. sometimes exhausting, but that's just how I operate. Gotcha. Is that why you say sometimes to a fault that sometimes it is exhausting? Yeah, well, it's exhausting for everybody else because they're like, all right, I'm done with my job. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Stop asking me. I don't want to talk about my job. Fair enough. Fair enough. I appreciate that. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How you like being on the startup life so far, man? That's great. I, I love the podcast. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're getting great value from Dennis's content, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson. You're listening to the Startup Life Podcast, and it is powered by the Binge Podcast Network. Hey, business owner, the startup life reach is growing. Wouldn't you like your business to grow with it? Reach out to us to advertise on the startup life. You can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at Dominic at AskOwlSolutions.com. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like this is a great music to have break on, but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music, but your business being advertised on it? Need more content from the Startup Life, you say? You can now sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass on the Binge Podcast Network's Patreon page. There is exclusive content written by yours truly, video content where I share even more of my business philosophies and whatever crazy content I can think of out of that crazy head of mine. And at only $5 a month, yeah, $5 a month, this is more content for you, Startup Nation, to really get ahead of your competition. So instead of upsizing that meal at your favorite fast food joint, you can now invest in yourself on your path to entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to sign up. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So Dennis, man, tell Startup Nation all about Attack and the services it provides, man. Great. So Attack is currently uh, about 10 people and we uh, provide services that range from strategy, branding, product design through to user experience design, wireframes, interaction design, prototypes, visual design, content production, development, uh, on through launch uh, into marketing and and analytics. So we primarily specialize in uh, web and native app development and uh, with a focus on e-commerce and content management. We started off just doing mainly development and we blew into, you know, we blew up into a full service agency. So, so we have someone who specializes in each of these individual areas uh, in our group now. And, and the other element of the business is that we were in New York, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And the areas that have emerged as expertise areas for us, not by any 
design of our own is, and this will seem obvious because we're in New York, but real estate, uh, okay. lifestyle and brand, health and wellness, uh, technology, uh, and e-commerce. Also, there's a lot of nonprofits here. So we have a, a, right. a great uh, client list with, of nonprofits. And uh, most recently, the largest growth area for us, no pun intended, is cannabis. So we've okay. gotten into a lot of uh, a lot of cannabis work, CBD products, you know, individual hardware design to you know marketing marketing those sites and integrating e-commerce with those. So it's a very tricky uh, landscape, but that's that's generally the uh, overview of our company. For sure, I'm actually quite curious about that last thing you was talking about getting into the the cannabis arena right now. Obviously, you know here in the states, it's still a federal ban, this that, and the other. But are there restrictions for you? Even though you're not necessarily like selling it yourself, like are there restrictions there for you, even as a marketing agency? No, no, there's no legal restrictions for us to do the work. We're not, okay. you know, we're not, we're not like moving any illegal products. Exactly. Uh, right. I, I guess I'm just curious, like, yeah. were there any far extending regulations, even though you're, you know, you're talking about, I was just curious. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting space. Uh, and there are some, you know, the, the there's some changing regulations. We're in touch with some groups who are basically lobby groups. There's also some data analytics groups that we, we get information from about yeah. how the industry is shifting. There are e-commerce platforms that have jumped up that are specifically friendly uh, to these types of businesses. We often use Shopify and their approach is questionable. They're a Canadian company. So um, mm. it's interesting that they, you know, they, they kind of have to police the products that are us based, but w we all expect that it eventually we'll have much uh, more lax regulations, or at least we'll have some, some clarity around whether we can release products on which platforms. So, you know, we're able to advise based on our experience and our understanding with those platforms gotcha. uh, now. And, you know, and we, we also understand the risks and we communicate those through to our clients. Gotcha. I appreciate that. The reason I ask is because uh, we actually have in a few weeks, uh, Warren Bravo coming on the show who runs Green Relief up in Canada to where he uses aquaponics to grow cannabis and things of that nature. So that's kind of why I was kind of curious. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. Basically using fish tanks to grow weeds. The craziest thing I've ever heard. But <laughs> right. Right. But hey, it is what it is. So uh, let, let me ask you this, man, because, you know, on one of your, your very first blog posts on the website, uh, you talk about this, the story and you talk about doing things right. Right. And that was back in 2014. Here it is almost five years later, man, into attack, you know, and sometimes as we when we start a company and then we grow this and the other, some definitions or philosophies change, man. So when you think of doing things right, has that changed for you at all? No, definitely not. The, okay. One of the reasons why I wanted to start the company just at the beginning was to prove that it's possible to make a good company that's not based on forcing people to work late into the night or on the weekends. I've had managers who I've, I've told, I said, look, there's, I'm managing this team, this development team. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's people who are exhausted because they're working weekends for four or five weeks in a row. And I go, you're going to burn these people out and they're going to quit. And the manager said to me, I don't care we'll find more people and replace them. And I was like, that's not right. That's not the right way to do this because these are people doing good work and you don't have to do that. And also if you have to do it, something else failed. Mm. The chain. Either oh, like man. they sold, sold the project wrong or there's some disconnect and there's always seemingly been some form of disconnect somewhere along the chain. And I just, I don't, I don't believe that that's necessary. I, I don't think that you have to do those. So for me, it's super clear what's right and wrong. Don't steal people's time. Don't make people work 
it's also not anyone's right to say you have to work late tonight. Hmm. Right? Like I didn't just not what anyone signed up for. We signed up for a 40 hour work week. Reason why you work a job is because you want to have some protected area that you have consistent income. You know that you're working uh, limited hours. I don't know what everybody else does on their free time, but it's their free time to do with it whatever they like. Uh, I like to spend time with my daughter. I don't, you know, if I had someone who told me I had to work at night, not spending time with my daughter, I wouldn't do that thing anymore. So, you know, if we had a business where it was at all seeming like that was the only option, then we just shut the business down. There's no reason to exist if you have to take advantage of people. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And when you, when you speak about your daughter, who's adorable, by the way, <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I saw that uh, you was kind of working on a Lego table for her. Oh God. Yeah. That was yeah how did, how's that going, man? <laughs> so I envisioned this Lego table and I started getting excited <laughs> and I was trying to hype her up about it. I'm like, gotcha. I'm like, look at this Excel spreadsheet. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I want to watch I want to watch YouTube. Leave me alone with this spreadsheet nonsense. And I'm like, no, it's a brilliant plan. You can create this modular Lego table and like design your own landscapes. And she's like, okay, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so, so I'm like, I did that like a couple months ago. And then I was sitting on the idea and I go, I don't know how to cut the plastic. And then one day it just clicked. And then I jumped up and I cut the whole table out in like an hour. Yeah. And I got, I built this brilliant Lego table. And when she came home and she was super excited about it. So. I bet. I bet that was amazing. I bet that was yeah. awesome, man. Thank you. That Lego sure. table is like the highlight of my February. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I bet. I can only imagine. So, you know, really quickly, man, when we, we talk about some, you know, new things going on, it looks like you got a website you get ready to launch uh, soon. Tell us a little bit about that. So we've been working on this new website for a while and basically we just have a lot more to say. Okay. There's a, a ton of work that we've done over the last four years going on five years. And the, it, the current setup, the way that we have our work page uh, organized doesn't do any justice to the areas of expertise that we have a considerable amount of work in. So we're saying more about those areas of expertise. We've added on more people to our team. We're doing some interviews with our teams. So we have more content, some more video content there. And we're starting to elaborate on each of the practice areas and hopefully give some helpful information to our clients who don't necessarily understand what the business of web design is. So when we go into a meeting and, and they say, well, what are you going to deliver for us? And we say, well, we're personas and journey maps and user flows and site maps. They go, I don't know what any of that stuff means. So we've basically created a new area for us to forward information to our clients that is that helps them understand and become more comfortable with the process. Gotcha. Do you have a web address for us, Dennis? Uh, the website is attack.com, A-T-T-C-K.com. Okay. So the, okay. Gotcha. So you can go to the show notes, start automation and the website is there in the show notes for easy access. Uh, I guess I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like a different website or something like that from the one. No, that's it. Yeah. And I, okay. I would also recommend following us on Twitter. It's just, uh, okay. The tack is the name, but we, we post all of our awards, all of our website updates, our articles. Uh, it's a pretty active feed. So I gotcha. follow us there. Fair enough. And you can get that link for the Twitter to follow uh, attack on Twitter there in the show notes as well. Startup nation for easy access. So look, man, you built this amazing company. You got this amazing website getting ready to relaunch and everything else. You couldn't have done that without an amazing team. Let's, it's bragging time, sir. Tell us about the team. Tell us all about the team and tell us uh, also what have they taught you in this process, man? So when we, when we started the company, we had, um, uh, I had a partner who since left and it was okay. me and him. And within six months, we were 20 people. And wow. 
we were like, wow, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is too fast. And, and we recognize that it's really important to have a team, a very dense team of high quality players. And so that's what we boiled it back down to. We ended up bringing it from 20 back down to maybe five or so. Okay. And we've gone through a few people in, in that small mix. And that's the core team who all of, all of those people are still here and have been with us for years. And we've slowly brought on more people. We're very careful to hire. I, it's one of the most painful things for me to do is to let somebody go because it's mm. a reflection, reflection of my failure generally that I thought that they were right for a position that they ultimately weren't. You know, so the team that we have right now is incredibly expert. We have, I think we have 10 or 15 years of experience in every single field. In some cases, more than that, but we don't want to it's, we start to date ourselves. Gotcha. Um, but the most important thing is that everybody has something seriously important to say about their practice. So when we have product design meetings, which we have almost daily, we're really listening to each other. And I've been in other uh, companies in the past where it's, uh, it's an ego battle. Ego is one of the first things that is like the default reaction. If you say something and then someone else challenges that, your immediate instinct has become defensive. But what we've created is an environment of, I think, openness and transparency and trust in that we're not going to tear each other down. We're actually right. listening. So for me, I could go in and say, no, no, it's my way or the highway. And, you know, probably everybody would quit. But instead, I go in and say, here's the problem. Let's solve this together. And we really hammer on. And this is exhausting. It's not, it's not easy to do this. This is exhausting to really put in the kind of mental energy to figure out difficult problems. But because we're able to do it with no ego involved and, and trust it, in each other's ability to present helpful information and really deeply expert information, it creates a, a really interesting uh, culture. I, I, we had a meeting uh, maybe a month ago. We have a company meeting every month or every, every mm -hmm. week. We have a re retrospective. Right. And I made a comment that as soon as I said it, I immediately realized like how true it was. I said, this is the best team I've ever worked on. I've worked on many teams, companies like Disney, Nike. This is a team that I'm incredibly proud of uh, because of the individual dedication and expertise that everybody brings. So, you know, that said, it's, it's not scalable. I can't continue, like we can't be a hundred of us. There's just not a hundred of this, this caliber of people who exist. So right. I, I do, would like to grow the company to a point where we can sustain this level of quality that we have and maybe, you know, maybe even enhance it and do some more interesting things. There's a lot of really cool technology out there that I think we want to bring in some people to help explore. But, you know, but that's the team in a nutshell is just everybody is deeply inspirational to me. So they're the first and foremost priority for me and, and for the company. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, Attack bolsters, you know, some an impressive client list, man, including the United Nations, man. How did you land that account and what did you do for it? Uh, yeah, so that was that that was exciting. We we get these projects that just kind of walk in the door. They're they don't just walk in the door. We've earned, we've earned them through a lot oh, of hard sure, work sure. to uh, to build you know relationships with our clients. They were referred to us by another client, and that's how we get most of our work. And I think that's a testament to the, the good relationships that we've built with clients after we've done their work. We don't, gotcha. you know, it's a project is not successful if at the end of the delivery nobody wants to work with each other anymore. Right. You know, so, so we try to make sure that we can sustain good, long lasting, high quality relationships. And as a result, we get projects like the United Nations, or if you're in New York in the last, you know, past summer, we did a project for a company called Literacy Partners. The project was called Subway Reads. They do this every year. It's where a lot of publishers contribute the first chapter of some book 
And if you log on to the MTA Wi-Fi, you can go and download that book uh, and read it while you're on the train. So that was a, a really highly uh, publicized uh, project that we did. Mm-hmm. And all of us, you know, we ride the train every day, so we get to see our work every day. And it's that type of stuff wow. that's really inspirational. And we've got a couple more that I can't talk about that have come through where we just, gotcha. you know, when the client says, hey, this is the, this is the client, our jaws just drop and we go, God, I'm like everybody's really excited to get this work. It's just so fun to work with companies and organizations that you can uh, that you can really look up to. Robinhood is another great company that we work with. Right, and they, right. They do incredible work. There's a Robinhood uh, Foundation. They do incredible work for uh, poverty in New York City. For sure, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So, look, man, I I saw that you know, and we talked about a little bit that you're a runner, right? And you're preparing for a marathon later this year. Let me ask you this, man. What's the perfect run? Like to you, what's the anatomy of the perfect run? Yeah, I don't, you know, it's, um, I have a uh, a way that I think about things where when it's, when it's really difficult, that's when it's the most important to do do your best. And so, you know, a bad run would be like a cold day in the rain in the morning when you're tired or hungover for the night before or something like this. Imagine all of the bad things that could happen. You didn't get enough sleep. Gotcha. Uh, I ran a, I ran a 15 K last November. This is Mm -hmm. the last qualifying race for the marathon this year. And it was brutally cold out. And I, I had, I was very sick. I had strep throat like day Mm -hmm. three and I was literally, I was dying, you know? So, but this is the last day I could have run to qualify for the marathon this year. So I had to do it. So I just went out there and I, and I pushed through and I did it and I came out and that was the thing that sort of punctuated the, the end of the year. You know, so the the good runs are like the nice warm days on a marathon day with 50,000 people. And, you know, the half marathon where you're running down uh, the highway towards uh, Coney Island for the Brooklyn half. Like those types of runs are really fun. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily the best run. You know, they're long and sometimes they're, they're painful. But um, I think all of them have this element of adrenaline or something that makes it addictive. I honestly don't know why I keep running these. My knees are totally shot. But <laughs> I'm just addicted. <laughs> addicted to doing it so gotcha I don't know. gotcha thank you for sharing that let me ask you ask you this man you know i i know you have a thing for whiskey and hot sauce tell me a little bit about that i'm not sure where that came from i think i have a i don't know maybe i have a penchant for pain or something i don't know but <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw it on linkedin man i saw it i see challenges and i go i'm gonna figure that out you know as people go people what does that taste like and it tastes like whiskey it goes oh, there's a little more nuance in there let me go and let me go and like uh, increase my my ability, advance my palate a little bit. And hot sauce is the same thing. Hot sauce is like you find the right hot sauce for the right food. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I have parties at the house, and people go, you know, what kind of hot sauce should I eat with this? And I go, well, try this like charcoal ghost or something, or try this like Carolina Reaper. It's fruity with Indian food. It just makes you know makes it magical. And I go, oh man, you like the hot sauce sommelier. So it also helps to have a really great hot sauce shop down the street from me in uh, Williamsburg. Gotcha. Gotcha. What, what's something that you put hot sauce on that you were surprised that you liked it so much? I don't think there's anything I put hot sauce on that I didn't like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have to get back to you on that. I don't know. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. No worries. No worries. So Dennis, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower, man. What's yours and why? It's persistence. Okay. I, not, it's just, I can't stop. And I, I don't know if it's a necessarily superpower. It's just a, it's just like a fact that you can't change. I can't stop. Uh, gotcha. You can't stop moving forward and trying to refine and, and, and better yourself. I mean, you could, I guess you could just give up. I just don't have it in me to do that. And, you know, that's helped me achieve, I think a lot, you know, a lot of things that I've, uh, that I've done have not worked out. 
as a result of just pushing through it. But in the end, you, you know, I'm here uh, as, as a result of those failures. And, you know, and persistence is really the thing that will carry you through those. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. And before I ask my last question, man, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the startup life. I think you provided some amazing value. And, you know, uh, also the fact that you shared your story with us was very powerful as well. So I definitely appreciate that. Last question. Oh, no worries. Thanks thanks for having me too. I've I've enjoyed it so far. Oh, no, absolutely. We we loved having you for sure. So last thing, man, you know, there's an entrepreneur out there who's afraid to start or they're stuck in their business, man. And like, you know what? They're getting ready to either quit or not start. Give them a little bit of motivation today, Dennis, to tell them to move move forward. Uh, There's not always a clear quit. And I don't know that there's necessarily a light switch. There are, there are creative ways through problems, but I think that it, it just takes time uh, and, and thoughtfulness to really plan out the pros and cons of. I have had friends who've shut down their business uh, is either the result of running out of funds uh, or changing course in their life. Like maybe they want to try something else. And none of those to me feel like failures in the sense that they're, 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 are, they're, they're doing the best with the options that they have. So, you know, if you're thinking about quitting, you know, I would say this, if you can do something, you should do it. So if you can continue, you should continue. You should never quit just for the sake of quitting. I I have quit jobs that have been, in my opinion, abusive. I've had managers who've actually get back to your bad manager question. I had a manager who uh, was really bad and I just, uh, I I said, look, this is is not working out for me. This is making me a miserable person. So either it's gonna change or I'm gonna quit. In that case, I would definitely say you should quit if there's negative energy and if it's making you unhealthy. For sure. Um, but if you can continue, if you have the ability to continue, you should continue. You, you must continue doing it. You should never just give up for the sake of, you know, I don't like this anymore, or you know, maybe, it's, maybe I'm tired of it. You know, a lot of the wins are the result of just sticking around. So if you persist again through it, right. you start to gain, if you, you gain a couple of, you know, maybe lucky moments and then you start to catch some wind in your sails again, but just, you know, stay through it. Stay the course if you can. If you have that option, and sometimes you don't, like, in the, you know, in a startup running out of funds, for example, there's not much you can do if you can't pay a team of 20 people. Or maybe you should, of course, correct it earlier. <laughs> you know, I just, I think that there's, uh, in any case, a decision you have to make uh, given the options that you have. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. Did you enjoy being on the show, Dennis? I did very much. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I Startup Nation. So here's my final take. Dennis Plusenic is one of those great entrepreneurs. He's one of those like Gary V archetypes, if you will, right? You know, we talked earlier about, you know, buying the lunch and taking care of your people, but also that relentless nature right you know dennis talked about earlier in the episode he had you know he had some some setbacks with his health and everything like that but he didn't let that stop him he didn't let that stymie his growth and stymie his path of entrepreneurship so when i think about dennis he is an excellent entrepreneur to follow and to follow his company because dennis is going places and i wish nothing but success for attack if you want to let us know what you think about the show have an idea for a show topic or like to advertise on our show please send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as can be now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or whatever your favorite platform to get your podcast on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. Also, don't forget to sign up for the Startup Life All Access Pass to get exclusive content. This is exclusively on the Bench Podcast Network's Patreon page. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. Still hanging out for more content? Well, here it goes. It wasn't, you know, my wife was kind of the brainchild of aquaponics, but it was my business partner, Steve LeBlanc, who is a concrete restoration contractor that I have known for decades. And okay. it was him and I together who really, you know, built green relief from the ground up, utilizing the aquaponics platform. And we were, you know, business associates, but we were also very good friends. And together we, we just kind of, said, well, here's an opportunity. Here's a brand new industry. You know, nobody's ever done before. You're only limited by your imagination. And as long as you play within the rules of, of, of the Health Canada regulations, you can be as big as you want. You can be a niche grower. You can kind of go in any direction you want as long as you play in the rules. That startup nation is my good friend, Warren Bravo, the founder of Green Relief out of Toronto, Canada. So if you want to get that episode as soon as it drops, go ahead and subscribe to the Startup Life podcast on all of your major platforms. So that way, when that episode is uploaded, it'll be right there waiting for you. In the meantime, Startup Nation, you got a company to grow. Get out of here.